When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Heroes and villains on a Monday night. Uh, love a Monday night. Big weekend in sport. Plenty happening. Your heroes and your villains. And Chuck Berry to talk T20 World Cup. Ah, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, the number to get yourself involved and uh, to start firing through your nominations for heroes and villains. We had a ton of texts coming through in time on uh, the previous show, which is a news of the day format show where we uh, go over the things you may have missed throughout the course of the day. But we did uh, get um, right into the thick of the conversations around Australia and their chances in the semi-final 1am Friday morning. You'll hear it on SEN against Pakistan in the T20 World Cup. But also to the story today that uh, the AFL had decided not to do skinfold tests at the recent combine. Uh, and there's been reaction to that throughout the course of the day. And you had a big reaction to it as well. And it's been a really interesting conversation from people who firmly believe that if you're about to enter a professional sporting environment, then you need to be taking tests like this because they help provide a snapshot and overall part of the overall picture is where your body is as an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. And there are others that go, well, they're not in the professional environment yet, so it, it doesn't need to happen straight away. And maybe it's a good idea that that's not an extra piece of pressure being added um, to, to young and um, anxious young men who are about to try, who are trying to realise their AFL dream. Uh, so it's been an interesting conversation and I'm more than happy for you to keep ha- having it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Matt in Ivanhoe, who didn't get a chance to have a say in the previous hour, has been good enough to hold on to have it now. G'day, Matt. Hey, how you going? I'm good, thank you. Um, just want to just clear this up before I get into it. I, I do agree that, you know, body image is a problem in, in young men and young women. But I think when you're going to be going to join the AFL, you're not going to be a completely out of shape player if you're in contention. And you have to be, you know, willing to give that, you know, information to get the club to know where you're at. And it's not like, you know, they're going to use it negatively. They're going to say, look, you know, if you're a big guy and you've got a bit of extra fat on you, you know, maybe that's good. You know, we need, you know, because it's hard for some of those tall, lanky ruckmen to put on size. Likewise, you know, if you're a little bit skinny, they might go, all right, well, here's something we can, you know, work with. Yeah. It's you know, a, sort of like an empty frame. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's a view that's coming through pretty consistently too, Matt, that um, there there is a slight – whilst people are very um, keen to and want to acknowledge and not be flippant about uh, body image uh, and, and the dangers of it uh, and the issues that can come up around it, 
Um, we're, we're talking specifically about um, young players who are about to enter an AFL system and who are doing everything they can to try and enter that AFL system. So I certainly get that point, but also, and you've done it really well, acknowledging that there is a, um, a significant and important issue not to, not to be dismissive of here. So I think you've done that um, really well. So thank you for doing that, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, cheers for that Romy two bobs in. No, absolutely. That's what we're here for, Matt. That's exactly the purpose of what we do. This is a two All bob. Right. This is a platform for people's two bob. So thank you for having yours. Thank you. I'll see ya. Uh one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Um, here's some of the texts that have been coming through that I, I wanted to get to. Uh, one person is saying slow news day. Um, thank you for that. Uh, Sam had a son at in a TAC Cup team, was told to lose some weight. Um he didn't need to lose it, but still induced himself to be sick. That's that's really serious. Um, and I know that he wasn't the only one. It's ridiculous at that age with the other stresses on them that they uh, they still do this. It's no measure of fitness. Um, mate, in relation to the skinfold test, I think that the AFL is, what the AFL is doing is protecting these kids when they are not in the elite sporting environment with sports scientists, fitness staff and nutritional staff and training loads and everything else and stops the kids um, and stops the kids forming bad habits. That's from Lockie in Maranboy. Um, thanks to the parent, by the way, who sent through that previous message, that wouldn't have been an easy situation. Um, and I'm sorry that uh, that's uh, been the experience uh, for, for your boy. Um, and I appreciate you, you ringing and sharing that. And I hope that he's doing okay now and, uh, and that you and the family are too. Um, Nev in WA says it's backed by no scientific evidence at, uh, that this measures anything in an athlete. Endurance is a better measure than skin folds. Uh, someone's saying, Jimmy, what a load of garbage. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's a new nickname for me. Um, it just might have just got the name wrong. It's Sam. Uh, I'm, but, you know, happy to be called Jimmy if that makes you happy. Um, what a load of garbage. If you are fat, you cannot play the game. Simple as that. Uh, g'day, Sammy. I did hear Sam Edmund today talking about skin folds. How good were pluggers, skin folds, greatest goal kicker of all time. Joe in Roeville. Um, uh, the answer to the skinfold testing decision is simple. It's all to do with AFLW. Yep, that's some people have come through uh, with that as well, which is an incredibly long bow to draw. So why don't we stick to the conversation that we're actually having rather than trying to find another way to uh, to bring down the AFLW. Um, g'day, boys. Artie from Adelaide. Skinfold tests have done have been done recently in the sample, certainly um, by the good high-performing teams, and our comp is semi-professional. Um, the reason for this, uh, according to another test, is eating disorders and mental health. Um, off the text, so how would Tony Lockett have gone? Um, sounds like a mountain out of a molehill regarding skin folds. There's no base to test from at a combine, so what does it really tell recruiters? Um, they do the measured stretches, runs and jumps, as well as skill testing. Surely that all gives the info required. Um, I think you could say that just about of any test that they do at the combine, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Dennis, but you could make that argument about just about any of the tests that they do, that it's a one-off. Well, yeah, it is because it's they're not doing combine after combine. Um, off the text, skin fold is extra pressure. Give me a spell. Honestly, we go too far at times with this kind of thing. When I tried out for the under-18 comp, we had them there anyway, so they will be familiar with it. Uh, that's from Andy. Um uh, Imad's in Templestowe. Good day, uh, in Templestowe. Uh, is it Imad? Am I saying that right? Uh, it's Imad. How are you? Imad, sorry. Uh, welcome. That's all right. Hey, I, I had to um, add my two cents because, Please. you know, I'm all about the generation being soft. But the concept of skin folds is dated. So I'll give you an example on the Melbourne Football Club. 
even even though at the draft camp it is um, it's a one-off. Even when you get to AFL level, I'll give you an example of Melbourne and how they were getting it wrong when they had nutritionists and dietitians that were useless. So Christian Salem, um, they wanted him uh, at a level, I think it was the number 50 on nine different sites around the body. And because he's got thyroid and gland issues, he kept on getting sick and missing times. Same with Christian Petrarca, issues because of his body and his weight and mass. So it took them to to go see an external nutritionist who had to fight with the Melbourne Football Club. Hang on, and, um, Martin, is this, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I, yeah. This is, you're accusing the Melbourne Football Club of being incompetent in what they do. Well, hang on, where, where, hang on, tell me where it's fact. Tell me where Christian okay. Petrarca has said this or where Christian Salem is or if this is something that you heard. So I'm more than happy for you to ring up and have you say... But having wax uh, and and starting rumours. Okay. All right, where's this been reported? Tell me where it's been reported. What do you mean? Where has it been reported? So where has Christian Petrarca or Christian Salem publicly said that they had an issue with the Melbourne dietitian? They had to go off and get their own, and that's where they got you're to where a they are now. And you've got no, so that's rumour, Imad, and that's we're, we're not doing that. So if you've got something you want to add to it about that, it's not about rumour, and it's not. Um, you know, trying to defame the so Melbourne Football Club. No, no, what you're Imad, doing now, Imad, no, if you've got I can, something I can, to add, no, no. that's let me, not... Let me think. You're allowed rank to call. So let me tell you, I can give you the name of the nutritionist. Okay. But that's not the point. And the point is what happens at the AFL, if you're not under a certain number, let's call it 50, then they isolate you and put you in a fat camp. Now, I don't make Oh, the... here we go. <laughs> oh, Imad, you're just coming on and starting rumours. Oh, I... I it's not what we're here for. So thanks thanks for the call. Joe in Hawthorne. G'day, Joe. You there, Joe? What's going on there? Do you want to just check the phone line, Jess? I'm not sure what's happening with Joe. Uh, 1-300-736-736 is the number. 433 98 Sorry, don't like to have to cut people off, but... Um, yeah, if, if Christian Petrarca and, and Christian Salem have a story to share in regards to that, then they can do that publicly. But in the meantime, that's just spreading rumour that is, you know, that's not what we're here to do. Uh, why don't we get into this? Heroes and villains on a Monday night. Get your nominations in. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry and you cast your fears aside One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Easy on a Monday. Your heroes and villains from the weekend in sport. You can text them through as well. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Kappa, thank you for your text. It's calling me a rude so and so. Says the person that sent nothing but abuse to every single person on every single show in every text that you've ever sent through, mate. So 
Um, that is absolute pot calling kettle black. Um, but at least uh, I've got the conviction to, to actually do it in person uh, and, and verbally rather than just text it in uh, anonymously. But thanks very much anyway. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. So, uh, <laughs> uh, heroes and villains. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text uh, as well. Um, so a hero nomination has to be. Um, you'd have to give the Aussies a hero nomination. I don't know if I'm convinced yet that. I don't know if I'm convinced yet that they're in great form. I know they've had two dominant wins in a row, but when you look at the opponents that they've been playing, there's question marks over where they were at in their tournament. Bangladesh had fallen into a fallen into a hole well before they'd played Australia. They'd been getting called out by the board of their own um, by their of their own cricket board, the, the head of their own cricket board, and the West Indies had clearly given up. Um, they were more concerned about uh, having a, a, a send off for Chris Gale and Dwayne Bravo. Uh, they were laughing about the, the the mistakes they were making in the field. They could not have cared less uh, about that game. And it descended into pretty farcical scenes uh, at the end. It was almost like it was a testimonial for Chris Gale and Dwayne Bravo, who are listed in my hero nominations for what they've given uh, to international cricket. They both played their last game of international cricket for the West Indies. Um, and I would... So they absolutely are in my hero um, nominations. But the way in which that game ended was absolutely farcical. Um, scenes we've never seen before. A bowler dismissing uh, a batter and then jumping on their back for a piggyback. Uh, that was extraordinary. But the scoreline says four wins, one loss. And Australia threw to another semi-final. They lost in 2007 to the, in the semis. They lost the final to England in 2010. They lost the semi to the West Indies in 2012 and they haven't been back in the last two previous World Cups uh, into the knockout stages. December 2020, they're ranked number one in the world. Before the tournament, they ranked, they fell to seventh after losing, um, after only winning five out of 18 T20 internationals since then. But they've got themselves into a semi so they had an okay win against South Africa. They had an okay win against Sri Lanka. They were dreadful against England and was absolutely spanked. And then they've dominated Bangladesh and the West Indies. They're very, very hard to get a, a form line on them. But when you just go off the win-loss, Australia through to a semi. So they get the hero nomination. Uh, and Dave Warner gets a hero nomination too. Highest T20 international World Cup score. So high score at a T20 World Cup by an Australian. Cam White back in 2010 against Sri Lanka had the high score uh, of 85 for Australia. He has been in all sorts with the bat. And people will point to the 65 against Sri Lanka and say, no, no, he made runs against them. But if you actually have a, a look at that performance, it wasn't convincing in any way, shape or form. He gave uh, about three chances uh, that Sri Lanka left out on the field. Three chances went begging to claim him, uh, and including the drop catch down leg side, which is Chuck Berry's going to tell you at 7.30 was a, an absolute soda. But that performance against the West Indies, he looked as fluent um, and correct as he has since I can remember. So that was a really, really good performance. 89 not out from Dave Warner, and, and, and he looked to, to be in really good touch, head, hands, feet, uh, all working in unison, full face of the bat, proper cricket shots, 
Um, he was right back in the nick that you'd want him to be in going into a must-win game against Pakistan. But we've only played one team that's really been in the kind of form that Pakistan uh, has been in, and that's England. And they absolutely destroyed us. Um, all the other teams we played, South Africa got themselves into the mix after that game against Australia. But they certainly weren't in good nick and didn't play well against us. And we didn't play particularly well either. So we sort of limped in in that one, limped in against Sri Lanka. Um, England awful, but big ticks for Bangladesh and the West Indies. Um, hero nomination for Pakistan. It's amazing when you can be in such turmoil on your home deck um, when you can't get an international tour there anymore. Um, you, you're playing all your cricket abroad. Uh, and they've put up an extraordinary performance. Matty Hayden's been part of their coaching setup. They've got two batters inside the top five for runs scored uh, in the tournament. Baba Azam has been a fantastic captain, uh, and Mohamed Rizwan as well has been in stellar touch. So they've been phenomenal. They get a hero nomination. So too does New Zealand, who I just love as a cricket nation, when the religion of the, of the, the country is rugby. And every other sport just sort of fights for the scraps of, of who can play what. Four million population, I think, roughly. Um, and they've qualified for the semis ahead of a country with a population of well over a billion where cricket is a, a religion, not just um, the most popular sport in, in the nation. New Zealand, who are the reigning world test champions, they came second on a – they lost the, the 2019 – one day international world cup on a technicality and probably shouldn't have. And now they're into the semifinals of a T20 world cup. They just continue to overachieve and absolutely deserving uh, of a hero nomination. I've got a few more Dave in Melton though. You've got a couple for me. Good day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah. Well, Dave Warner, he's my hero this week. It was like when Moses took the Israelites and parted the ocean, he said, follow me. And they did. And if they keep following him, they'll win this easy. And my villain is everyone who wanted to drop him. Every single one is. He's all wanted to drop him. And look what he's done. He got us into the semis. <laughs> I'll cop that, Dave. I was one that thought that, yeah, if they... I thought after Bangladesh that he just he just looked so out of, out of form that I thought, gee, maybe... Maybe he's just not going to rediscover it. And then the form, I didn't want to drop him in the lead up. I was always one that said, no, give it a few games and just see where we're at. Um, so I put my hand up and say, I was one of the people that thought maybe they need to make a change at the top of the order. They've got Stoinis there. They've got Wade there who can open. Maybe it's just not going to happen for Dave Warner. But I'm happy to have been proven wrong, Dave. I'll tell you that. Yeah, same thing happened to Moses at the start. He had a rough couple of weeks and then he came good, mate. So you got to hang in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh I appreciate it. I'm more than happy to cop a villain nomination. Dave, always good to hear from you, mate. Thanks very much. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jeez, we've had an interesting start tonight, haven't we? Uh, Sporting Capital, heroes and villains on a Monday night. And then Chuck Berry's going to join me at 7.30. Uh, a couple coming through off the text for your heroes and villains on a Monday night. My hero is Brett, Pe- Brett, Brett Preble. What a great show of sportsmanship, embracing James McDonald after breaking his carnival riding record. Uh, yeah, fantastic nomination, Bob. I love that one. Uh, and what James McDonald did, 10 winners uh, to break the record uh, of Brett Preble um, by Zaki and 
uh, Nature Strip over the weekend. He had a phenomenal Melbourne Cup carnival. I think uh, earning uh, maybe close to or just on or maybe just over a mil. Uh, certainly a phenomenal performance uh, from him in that Melbourne Cup carnival. Uh, hero Madden, uh, Madison Di Rosario for winning the New York Marathon and being the first woman to do uh, after coming off a, a great Paralympics. That's come through. Great nomination there. Dean says... My heroes, Victorian cricket team twice knocking over New South Wales, the Australian cricket team for making the semis, New Zealand cricket team for making the semis, my villains, the idiot pitch invader who keeps turning up at sports, um, Wallabies for losing to Scotland with England coming up, um, and security who can't seem to stop the pitch invader. Poor security, that's from uh, Dean. Um, Wade is not even 20% of what Dave Warner is, never was, ever, ever, never will be. That's like replacing Carey with Casbolt. That's come through off the text. Thank you for that. Uh, off the text, Dane Swan has come out and applauded the AFL on skin folds. Check Matt, Matthew Richardson's post, commented on that. Not sure if it's a joke. Thank you for that. I'll check that one out um, as well. A couple other hero nominations. Canelo Alvarez, first man to hold all four belts in the super middleweight division, the fifth to unify their division in boxing's history. The 11th round knockout of Caleb Plant. Um, Paddy Mills uh, <laughs> getting inducted into the Brooklyn Nets. Blue Collar Boys, Blake Griffin. Uh, they've got a little uh, quote at the moment um, that they're using, hard hat, steel caps. Um, obviously, they were seen as a team that didn't defend at all last year, the Brooklyn Nets, and were seen to be uh, uh, wanting to play bruise-free basketball, uh, downhill skier types after they got Kevin Durant, um, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. So they're really trying to enforce a a tougher persona uh, and Paddy Mills had another 13 point game, but it was uh, taking charges as he does harassing in defense that has Blake Griffin now saying that he's part of the blue collar boys. Josh Giddy had another very impressive game, 7.7 uh, rebounds and four assists. And uh, he continues just to throw up what a couple of people have been tweeting in as uh, basketball adult entertainment. Uh, which, yeah, he's been uh, absolutely superb. And I'm going to speak more, uh, about him to Chris Anstey uh, after 8 o'clock um, as the sporting capital continues. Um, a couple of villains. I reckon I might give a villain nomination. I hate to do this because he's just an absolutely phenomenal CEO. Brendan Gale um, has been one of the finds, and, and for many people think he'll be the next CEO of the AFL. But I was interested to read that he, in part, not fully, but he in part blamed the stand rule on Tom Lynch kicking 35 goals uh, only this season. And he's the second club official to have a crack at the stand rule after Trevor Nisbet. Now, people are pointing to the fact that the, that the score that scoring is down a point a game. So, you know, saying that the stand rule hasn't worked. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the stand rule, and whilst, yep, the stats don't lie, that scoring is down one point per game from 2021 to 2019. We're not counting 2020 because of the shorter quarters. Um, I'm more of in the camp that says that the stand rule has done a lot to open up the game. And I think that the stand rule really did hurt, according to Matt Rendell, who had this few halfway through the year, teams that like to zone off in, in defence, Richmond being one of those, West Coast um, being another. So I'm a bit of a fan of the stand rule. I think that they could maybe tweak a couple of things. Maybe you don't have to implement the stand rule uh, to a player who's manning the mark on a shot for goal. Uh, they should be able to maybe jump up and down and move around a bit to put that player off. But in saying that, one of the contributing factors more so to the scoring drop for people who say that the stand rule hasn't worked and it hasn't done its job by increasing scoring is because set shot uh, goal kicking and goal kicking is at its lowest that it's, I think, ever been. 
And Richmond's set shot goal kicking accuracy went from 61.1% in 2020 to 56.3% in 2021. Tom Lynch's goal kicking accuracy went from a career 52.8% to 46.7% this year. So that would have me thinking that maybe it was Tom Lynch's accuracy dropping that might have contributed contributed to his 35-goal season. What also might have contributed was the fact that Richmond, who were first for inside 50s in 2020, average per game, third in 2019 and third in 2017, their premiership years, actually went to seventh for inside 50s. So the supply to Tom Lynch was much less this year than it had been in previous years. So I don't know. And by the way, again, I'm a massive Brendan Gale fan, and he didn't solely blame the stand rule. He did say it was unedifying uh, to have a man on the mark not being able to move uh, on set shots. Interesting that the Sandful are going to bring in the stand rule next year. Um, but I don't know if I think it would be all the fault. And, and he did say that it was also Richmond's drop-off in form that contributed but he did bring it up as a reason why Tom Lynch might have had a 35-goal a season, um, which would be below the standards that he would have set. But I just thought I'd throw up a couple of others. So a little villain nomination for Brendan Gale. That'll be okay. He's still got plenty of credits in the bank. Um, he's not a villain for life. Uh, the West Indies, a villain nomination. That, 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 that game, as I said, that descended into a testimonial. That was a, a charity game. I half expected Fatty Vorton to run out and take a catch. Um, that that was not befitting behaviour of a country of a team representing their country at a World Cup. They didn't care. They had stopped caring. Um, if I was uh, if I was a West Indian citizen and I saw my national cricket team not caring in a way that I think the West Indies did, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty disappointed. If we let me ask you this: if Australia had only won one game at the World Cup. And if you saw Australia in their last game before they headed off and had a party for a couple of players who are retiring from international cricket, who do deserve hero nominations in for what they've done for the game in Chris Gale and Dwayne Bravo, but would you be happy to see an Australian side at a World Cup laughing when they made mistakes, laughing when they dropped catches, carrying on, jumping on the backs of batters who they'd got out, not seeming to give a stuff about the fact that as reigning champions, I'd only had one win. How would we feel if we watched Australia behaving the way that the West Indies had? I, I'm all for camaraderie and, you know, and, and I love the touchy feely moments in sport, but even I've got a limit. And for those who, you know, call me a woke lefty uh, and all those kind of things, um, that might surprise you, but I've got a limit and, and they'll reach my limit with it the other night. I, I thought that that was, I thought that that got to a point where you would almost be questioning. You would all, you would almost have to have a look at that and say, were they giving, were they doing everything they could to win? And I don't think they were. And what does that say um, at a World Cup? Um, another villain nomination has got to go to Aaron Rodgers. Say what you want about the vaccination issue, but the fact that this bloke lied about his. Um, vaccination status and the fact that the QB in in more than any other sport, the quarterback is the most important player. In no other sport is there a player who has the amount of importance and significance and and whose team's fortunes can rise and fall off the back of than the quarterback, especially with the new rules of the game, which means it's almost impossible for them um, to to be really hit or, or hurt. 
to lie about your vaccination status, to be paid thirty plus million dollars a year, and uh, and to have had the preseason that he did, where he didn't show up because he was having a tanty uh, about the decisions that the front office were making, thinking he should have been in on decisions they were making about personnel. Um, when you don't earn that right, because the reason they can't get the players you want is because you won't take a pay cut like Tom Brady does, uh, like Pat Mahomes does, and like other um, team orientated quarterbacks do to then go and lie about your vaccination status and cost your team your services because you, after saying that you were immunised, then go and actually test positive for COVID and then, so you're not immunised and you're not vaccinated, we find out, and then to blame everybody else saying it's a woke agenda and everybody's the bad guy and it's all everybody else's fault. No, it's not. You lied, you got COVID, you cost your team and they didn't have their quarterback today and they lost. So now instead of um, having one loss for the year, you've got two. He's incredibly selfish, Aaron Rodgers. That's as selfish uh, as it gets uh, and certainly worthy uh, of a villain nomination as well. Um, Darren Berry is going to join me on the other side of this. Keep sending through your heroes and villains, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433-98-1116. 0433981116 off the temper text. I do read out all heroes and villains, so I'm happy to read this one as well. Villain, the peanut hosting on SEN right now. Uh, heroes, all the cricketers that have participated at the World Cup after cricket hubs are not seeing family for months. Uh, cheers. That's from Catter. Good on you, Catter. What a good bloke. Uh, just tuned in uh, with kids going to bed and got the take on the West Indies cricket and Aaron Rodgers. Spot on both times. Great takes. Keep them coming. Uh, and off the text as well. Uh, evening SEN, believe that's a poor excuse from Brendan Gale. Just a novice opinion. The stand rule aided Fords, allowing them to run around the mark and produce at a distance. That's from Shane. Uh, and this, come on, Sam, I'm going to have to turn SEN off if you keep bringing data and logic to your arguments. Aussie cricket out in semi-final or destroyed in final. Brendan Gale, Richmond is starting to sound like the 90s after the 90s Hawks after their dynasty. Always love your work, Graham, in Mentone. So we'll give you both sides of the coin there, the love and the hate that comes through off the temper text. Uh, temper, uh, a mattress like no other. Uh, nothing but love from uh, for this man uh, who's been just a, an absolute joy to sit next to every game we've done of the T20 World Cup on SEN. It's been a privilege and he's been good enough to jump on again with Australia now into a semi-final 1am Friday morning against Pakistan. Uh, myself and this man, Darren Berry, will bring you all the action. Chuck, hello, mate. Good evening, Sammy. We might need a couple of coffees to keep us awake, but let's hope we've got two more games to call the Australian semi-final. Big clash now against the informed Pakistan. And then who knows? Uh, New Zealand getting through last night. Bit of a surprise. No India. New Zealand and England in uh, Group B. And, uh, well... Who knows what's going to happen now. But Thursday night or in the early hours of Friday morning, we'll get a chance to call the Australians. And, uh, mate, you, you were wrong. You wanted David Warner out. I wanted him in. <laughs> oh, uh, all right? along, I said Warner, Warner should be in, and you wanted him out. And uh, look what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like a little bit of revisionist history. I appreciate that, Chuck. Thank you. Um, hey, Chuck, if... If someone was to say to you and just stop you in the street and go, hey, um, I haven't got to see any of this World Cup. I haven't read anything. I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything. How have the Aussies been going? How do you answer that? 
Is it just as simple as, well, they're into the semi? Or is it more complicated than that? I think it is a little bit more complicated, but you've got to, we've got to give credit where it's due. And, yeah. and you're right, the, the easy answer is they're into the semi-final. And if they turn it on and they make the World Cup final, well, then you, you're saying it's a big tick. But, look, we haven't been convinced, you and I, and we've called every game and watched it closely. However, the other night... Uh, I thought was by far their most comprehensive performance with bat and ball. And David Warner's return to form, and I'll stand by what I said, I was joking before, he had been horrible through the World Cup and leading in. And I'm more than happy to stand with my words that I thought on form, he was on very shaky ground. You and I called him the other night and he was very, very good. That's a very big positive for the Australians. Mitchell Marsh at number three, kick. So I think now we've got to say that their form is worthy of a semi-final berth. They come up against the unbeaten Pakistan that have a very good, well-balanced side. Our opponents, Pakistan, Chuck, before we get back into maybe a, a little bit of tinkering that, that could or couldn't occur with the Aussies and where we think that they're looking strong ahead of this semi and where we think that there might still be um, a couple of areas of yep. concern. Pakistan have been a great story in this tournament. They, they're undefeated at the moment. They've finished on top of their pool. And they've got two out of the top five scoring batters uh, in the competition. Uh, Baba Azam's been, he's been captaining brilliantly. Matty Hayden's obviously having a bit of an impact there. Uh, and, and, and they're singing his praises. Uh, how have you enjoyed uh, the return to, to the big time of, of Pakistan? They've been... Uh... They have been, I was going to say the surprise packet, but I shouldn't say that. They have been clearly the most consistent side and they're very well balanced. I look at their team and they've got a good blend of youth and experience. And I look at their bowling attack, Shaheen Shah Afridi, the left armour, he's a beauty, swings the new ball. So he's our version of Mitchell Stark, but probably going a bit better. They've got Hassan Ali, who's a super competitor, Hassan Ali, he's a beauty. Uh, they've got Harris Ralph, who we all know from the Big Bash, who's got pace and can hit the base of the stumps. And then two spinners that complement each other. Shadab Khan is a leg spinner, but he's got a real mystery wrong one. So he's, if you like, a poor man's um, Afghanistan spinner, spinner that I watched last night. I don't think he's quite as good, uh, but he provides a bit of spin both ways. And then Emad Wazim, left arm, uh, slow spinner that skids them in. Their balance of the bowling is very good. They've got a good um, a balance in their batting. And I'm between a rock and a hard place. But as, as you know, I've spent a few years at the Pakistan Super League and quite a few of the young boys that I've been involved with, Asif Ali, uh, Baba Azam, Shadab Khan, they were all in the Islamabad United teams for various times. So part of me has got my heart there but you'll never lose the fact that I hope Australia give them a bit of a shellacking on Thursday night and, and go through to the final. Wouldn't it be great, Sam, if it was Australia versus England and we get a chance to redeem ourselves because the big question mark that's hanging over Australia was our horror show against England in the round three match. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more about Pakistan. Uh, they, they come in looking really, really strong. So when it comes to Australia, Chuck, 
we, we've persisted with three pace bowlers and for some, they'll yep. just point to, and, and there was someone engaging with you and I on Twitter today saying that he, that he wants the three fast. He said the record speaks for itself. But again, yep. we just, we, we, we don't always agree, but we just had this nagging thing in the back of our heads about, yeah, okay, so the wins are there. And yes, you can't deny the win loss, but has the three pace attack and just one spinner and sometimes some Glenn Maxwell, has that been a success when, when you look at, okay, Hazelwood, you give a tick to. Stark's been hot and cold, but certainly since Warney gave him another spray, he's fired up as he tends to do. Pat Cummins has only taken four wickets for the tournament, an average of 30. Um, are you convinced yet that despite everybody thinking that two spinners is a necessity, Australia saying, yep. no, no, we're going to do it our way. Have they changed your mind or do you hold, still hold concerns no. in that area? I haven't changed my mind, but oh, I just want to tweak it a little bit from you. And it's only my opinion and everyone's allowed their opinions. Mm. I don't mind if they go with their three quicks. Um, that's okay. But who has been Australia's best bowler this tournament by far? Adam Zampa. Adam Zampa, all right, the leg spinner. And if you look at the tournament, the leading wicket takers are generally spin. I think um, Trent Bolt might have jumped up last night for New Zealand, but I think three of the top five are spin and six of the top ten have spin. I believe that Ashton Agar should be in our team, so we play three quicks and two spinners. That's the side I would play. So how do you make that work? I believe they don't need to play seven batsmen. So that's why I was saying one of the batsmen had to go. Now, they did that for one game, but they made, in in my opinion, the wrong call. They left Mitch Marsh out. When they brought Agar in, they left Marsh out. That's where I felt the tough decision should have been made to leave David Warner out and open with Matthew Wade or Marcus Stoinis. And you have six batsmen. One of those is a wicketkeeper and five frontline bowlers. I still believe that's our best chance to win the World Cup. That's not going to happen, Sam. The Aussies will now stay with Matthew Wade at number seven. They'll have six batsmen plus Wade. And then you've got Cummins and Stark at eight and nine. Long batting, you don't need that in 20 overs of cricket. I believe you need five frontline bowlers, not seven batsmen. That's where I differ a little bit from you. You're probably thinking, oh, maybe Cummins out. You know, and Agar in. Mm. Some are saying Richardson. You know, I'm saying six batsmen, five bowlers. Australia will stay the same and they will use Mitch Marsh, who did a good job the other night, and Glenn Maxwell to make up their fifth bowler. I hope it works and it might well work. It might well work. But I don't think that's our best team. The other other team that I wanted to touch on is New Zealand. Um, I, I, I just... It, it never ceases to amaze me with them, Chuck. And I made the point before that India, and we haven't even got enough time to go through what the fallout might be for India, and not not even getting out yeah. of the group stage. For them. I mean, this is a country that expects elite performance because yep. a lot of money goes into their program. Um, they are really the not maybe not the pioneers because I think it started in England, but certainly they have been uh, the champions of pushing the T20 agenda to have its prominence that it does in the world now. Uh, to not get into the knockout stages will be a source of tremendous embarrassment for them. Over almost 2 billion people, I think it is, population. New Zealand, a population of 4 million, and cricket is a long way behind rugby 
uh, in terms of participation and things like that. The fact that they are the number one ranked test nation in the world, they made the final of the last one day International World Cup, and now they've made the semis of the T20 World Cup. It's just phenomenal. Yep, no, you've well, you've touched on all the points. There'll be big fallout there. Well, they've already made a change in the coach. Raul Dravid's coming in. Ravi Shastri's out. So, um, and there'll be yeah, they won't react too well to this. To not make the semi-finals is disappointing from from India for sure. New Zealand, you were referring to them. Punch above their weight. They're the, they're the one-day champions. Uh, they're in the T20 semi-final. They're the Test champions. New Zealand are the great story. India's the failure. West Indies have been embarrassing, diabolical. I'll stand by it. They're undisciplined and they just... What we witnessed the other night is still not sitting comfortably in my guts. England, no worries. Glad Australia have made it through. Pakistan have been the form team of the comp. And New Zealand have jumped into the semi-final at the expense of India. That's my analysis of the two groups. Um, if, if we're to... If, if Australia are to progress, um, how important is Glenn Maxwell going to be? Just the, the last question, because we, we, we think we're okay now. Dave Warner's found some form. Um, Finch has been yep. in good form. Marsh is in form and has been for uh, the, the whole year of T20 cricket. Smith's made runs here and there. Maxwell, don't he hasn't batted five times. He's batted three. The other times he's been not out and hasn't faced a ball um, in the Bangladesh West Indies game. But he's averaging about 10 uh, in the three innings that, that he's had. Is that any yep. area of concern, and do you do you do you back him to turn it around? I back him. It is a concern, but Glenn Maxwell, probably a bit like Dave Warner, Maxwell hasn't had the chances at all, and he actually batted. I think that one night against England, they put him in at number four. Did he bat at three or four? Yep. Four, Came think. in when they were two for eight. Yep. And they also batted him. I reckon number three one night. They sent him in early in one of those earlier games. For me. Glenn Maxwell bats at number five, and him and Stoinis finish the innings with some flair and polish. He will play some horror shots. He'll let you down, but he can also, he can come out on Saturday, um, on Thursday night against Pakistan, and he's capable of making 42 of 17 balls and winning the game. He's an X Factor. He's a gun fielder. He gives you the option with the ball. So for me, no question on Maxwell. I'm picking Glenn Maxwell for sure. He has to stay in the side as a potential match winner. Chuck, can't wait to do the game with you. 1 a.m. Friday morning, mate. We'll chat to you then. Thanks, Sammy. Look forward to it. I'll be there at midnight, ready to go. Beautifully done. Uh, my turn to bring the snacks. Uh, Darren Berry been absolutely on fire uh, with his Chuck Stradamus predictions. When he, when he just starts to say... Look out for this. Bet your bottom dollar that it's actually going to happen. Uh, the Chuck Stradamus has um, been in in just ripping Nick with his, uh, well, what's the, what are they called? The clairvoyance, uh, with his clairvoyant uh, predictions. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up this hour before the first serve starts at 8 o'clock with some of your text after this. Uh, give back with the Mac this McHappy Day. Saturday, November 13, $2 from every Big Mac sold, including McDelivery, goes towards helping seriously ill children and their families uh, through Royal uh, Ronald McDonald House, uh, RMHC. Delivery is available in selected locations. Fantastic cause. Make sure you get yourself involved in McHappy Day if you can. Uh, thanks for all the calls and texts. I'll be back for another hour after 9 o'clock. First serves up next with BP. 
A uh, couple of texts that have come through uh, in regards to the way that West Indies played uh, and their lack of care in the last game. How does South Africa feel? They missed the semifinals on net run rate. It's a great point. Uh, what about Gale going into Warner's pockets, checking for sandpaper? Well, I didn't even know he'd done that. I did see him having something with Dave Warner. I didn't even know that's what that was, Dave, in Surrey Hills. So, yeah, you're right. What a flog. Um, uh, I'd rather watch the West Indies enjoying a game of pyjama cricket than watch the Aussies sandpaper the ball. That's from Bob. Uh, you said you weren't going to donate to 2020, then did three times. That's from Andy. I think refer to 2020. That was in terms of uh, the scoring because you can't compare 2021 to 2020 because we had shortened quarters. You can compare goal-kicking accuracy, though. Uh, that's about it from me. I'll be back after nine. First serve next. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.